What is going on, everybody? Welcome back. Nothing But Sports Podcast, episode 69. Um, we got a decent amount to talk about today as the we're going to do NFL free agency again for the second straight week because the madness continues. Um, we're going to talk to Sean. I could talk. I mean, it's so crazy that we're not even going to talk about Tom Brady coming out of retirement. And then we're going to go to the MLB free agency, and it's more just going to be about the Yankees or lack thereof of what the Yankees are doing. Okay, so let's start NFL. So this week has been crazy. You know, I'm not even going to talk about Von Miller going to um, to Buffalo, Juju Smith going to the uh, going to the Chiefs. We're going to talk about two things that I've picked out. We're going to talk about Devontae Adams and Deshaun Watson. So let's start with Devontae Adams. Okay, because this was absolutely crazy. So out of nowhere, the Packers, I believe was it two days ago, decided to trade Devontae Adams to the Las Vegas Raiders for the Raiders' first round pick this year, which would be the 22nd overall pick, and their second round pick, which would be, I think, probably the 40, around the 45th overall pick. So two picks for him. Now, he's the best receiver in football, but we're going to talk about that. So... At the start, all right? So, at first, I was saying this might be the worst trade in NFL history. Because I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know any of the details. I just saw that he got traded. And I was like, what? But now, if you look at it, Devontae, the most surprising thing is that Devontae Adams said, no, I don't want to play in Green Bay. Because my original thought was Aaron Rodgers took all the money. But the management for Green Bay was offering him more money so you can't blame the management on that part because they offered him the money. But Devontae Adams just said, no, I'm done. I'm going to go to Las Vegas. That's the extremely surprising part, okay? And the thing is, you look at it and people are saying, well, they could have got more from the trade. Well, that is true. But Devontae didn't have a contract. So once they slapped him with a franchise tag, he was there for a year, but they couldn't get more for him because he was not happy. They were desperate to get rid of him because they knew if we try and make him stay, he's going to sit out this season and then he's going to walk for nothing. So we have to trade him now and at least get something in return. So people are saying could have gotten more, but it's really hard because he didn't have a contract. Now, if maybe he had one or two years left on his deal and you wanted to trade him, then maybe you can look at getting a couple first round picks for him. But they were just so desperate. They had to... because. He was going to sit out. So, I know this is crazy, but I've actually found a few positives in this for um, for Green Bay. I, I found also negatives, but here are my positive thoughts on the Devontae Adams trade for Green Bay. Number one, cap space. All right? They were going to have to pay. They knew how much they were. They were willing to pay him. Okay? he's. I think he's getting paid like 20 plus 26 million now in Oakland or Las Vegas, 28 million. And they were offering more, so he could have been in the 30 millions. So that does save cap space, and now the $20 million franchise tag isn't there. So you've got some room to work with to do stuff in free agency and trades. Okay, that's number one. But that cap space only works if you have to get someone in free agency. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, like I just mentioned, you got something for him, okay, because your hands were kind of tied behind your back. And if you think about it, if you're um, Devontae, I mean, if you're Green Bay, You'd much rather trade him now than try and get rid of him in July towards the end of the season or towards the start of the season or at worst trying to have him to ship him off mid-season 
and have him on your roster taking up $20 million in cap space and him sitting out. So it's actually good that they got rid of him earlier, okay? Number three, Aaron Rodgers knew about this. Now, Aaron Rodgers knew about this when he was signing his big contract. So that means that he cannot, he's not going to ideally put make all this noise that, oh, Green Bay has not communicated with me. Oh, uh, I have no targets to throw to because he knew that issue when he signed the deal, okay? So you're not going to hear any noise from him in the offseason, okay? And finally, even without Devontae Adams, they're still a good team, and I'm going to tell you why, okay? Obviously, they take a huge, huge mega hit, but they're still a decent and good team, and I'll tell you why, okay? Everyone on that defense that came along at the second half held the Niners to 10 points. Everyone on that defense is coming back except for Zadarius Smith, who missed the whole season. So that defense is going to remainly be unchanged. So you're going to still have that solid defense with Rashawn Gary and Jair Alexander. So that's good. You're going to have that defense to keep you in games, okay? You're also in an extremely weak division, all right, the NFC North. I mean, sure, the Vikings can be a threat, but the Vikings are not consistent. The Bears are going through another rebuild with um, Justin Fields, and the Lions just stink, okay? The Lions, you know... They they fight hard, but they're just not a good a great team. They don't have much, so we don't have to worry about them. So you're still going to win your division, all right. And on the offensive side, yes, you lose Devontae, and it's going to be a huge loss. But you at least still have a if a good offensive line, all right. Josh Myers is going to be back from injury. Elton Jenkins is going to be there. David Bakhtiari. So you still have a good offensive line there, which is good to see. And you still have a very good running back combo running behind that offensive line with Aaron Jones. And um, and the uh, and the quad father, as they call him. Oh my God, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, AJ Dillon. Sorry. So you're gonna have those two. So that's a very good one-two running back combo. So it's not like they have nobody. They do have they have a good running back tandem. Okay, that's the positives. Now let's get to the negatives. Okay, and this is a big one. Who are you gonna throw the ball to? Because I just mentioned they're probably going to be in the postseason. But still, who are you going to throw the ball to? They literally, the only three receivers on their roster right now, I think, are Alan Lazard, Equinemius St. Brown, or not even St. Brown, um, uh, Amari Rogers, and I think Randall Cobb. And Randall Cobb was completely useless last year. So who is he going to throw the ball to? Okay, that's number one. You have to. It is imperative. You have to go out and get some dudes in free agency. Otherwise, you're screwed. Or actually, not screwed, but... You, you've got problems, okay? you got to get someone, all right? And the receivers are starting to run thin now. The only one I can think of is Jarvis Landry and who, those two, Jarvis Landry and Julio Jones. Maybe you can try and trade for someone, but no. Or actually, maybe you can trade for Robert Woods because I heard the Rams are fielding offers for him. So you have to go out and get someone. You've got cap space now. Go use it, okay? Go use it and get targets. You can't just sit there on your ass and expect them to come to you. You have to go get them, Okay? So that's a huge that's a huge loss, all right? Okay? And also, even if you get let's say you get um get a a Julio Jones say or or um or Jarvis Landry, that is still not going to make up for the chemistry you lost with Devontae Adams. Because even just outside the numbers, you look at their chemistry, Rodgers and Devontae, it was unworldly. I mean, he, he's thrown balls before he's out of breaks and stuff like that. It's just, it's just a chemistry you get over time building with, uh, over time playing with one another. So 
That means that chemistry is not that, that chemistry you you can't you can't manufacture. It has to come. Okay, you can't expect to make that in off-season training in 3 weeks in the regular season. It's so that's a huge loss as well, all right? So all in all and also the last thing I'm going to say of what Green Bay could have done, all right? I mentioned this kind of this kind of goes back to my last positive. I see it as a positive and a negative. The point about the playoffs because you didn't pay Aaron Rodgers 50 plus million to make the playoffs. You you paid him that much to go win a Super Bowl. So he has to, so and right now Green Bay is not in the Super Bowl tier of teams. They're in the playoff tier of teams, but they're not in the Super Bowl. So at the same time while it's good to be in the postseason and all you have to do is get in and maybe a team suffers injuries and then you get lucky and you can find yourself in the big game, you didn't pay Aaron Rodgers for the, uh to to just make the playoffs. You paid him to bring Super Bowls. So that's going to be very 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 interesting. Okay? And last thing, this is a, another negative I gave the, the, the management, uh, the front office of Green Bay, a little bit of um, a little bit of leeway because they offered him all the money. But at the same time, you could look at it. They should have locked him up by last. They had the chance, man. They had the chance to extend him at the end of last year, but contract negotiations fell through, and that probably soured the relationship with Devontae because Aaron Rodgers has been flirting with retirement, and then Devontae Adams probably doesn't want to go play with. Um, with Jordan Love, he'd much rather go with uh, with um, with Derek Carr. So that probably also had something to do with him leaving the relationship. But the relationship probably very really got soured when they couldn't figure out the contract negotiations because Devontae was playing on a four-year, fifty-one million dollar deal. So you had every you had a chance to lock him up. It was there for the taking to lock him up. And also, a lot of Packers fans said this way back in 2018. They said, "Hey, we need to draft wide receivers." and develop them as young talents. Because they knew in 2018, four years from now, 2022, all these guys are free agents, and we might not be able to re-sign all of them. So when we lose them, we need to have guys that are ready to take that step up. And they didn't do it. It was like they procrastinated. They, they kept passing on wide receivers. They kept, they kept, you know, this whole system of build and develop, you have to take first-round wide receivers. Green Bay does not take first-round wide receivers. Devontae, I think, was a second or third rounder. And those are always hit or miss. So if you look at it, it's really also come down to they had a lot of chances to get some young talent in the first-plus round. Like, you look at the draft where they took Jordan Love, and even in the second round, they passed on a lot of good wide receivers. So it's, uh, it's, sort, of like a, it's sort of like the management, the front office, it's a tricky situation because I can give them the benefit of the doubt because they wanted to pay him, but I can also blame them a little bit for not dealing with this issue earlier and waiting till the last minute and now all of a sudden they're stuck. But as for Green Bay, they're not completely screwed. But as far as take I think this takes them off the Super Bowl caliber teams. I think they're still a playoff caliber team. But as far as getting to the Super Bowl, which is what Aaron Rodgers wants to do and that's why you're paying him that much money, it's going to be tough. All right. That's the uh, Devontae Adams situation. I spent a little long on that. Let's go to Deshaun Watson. So just um uh Earlier yet early yesterday or midday yesterday, uh, Deshaun Watson was traded to Cleveland for three first round picks and I think a fifth round pick in there as well. So, I mean, obviously it's a win for um, it's I guess it's a win for both. I mean, it really I can you see this is a win for both sides. I mean, Deshaun wanted to get the hell out of out of Houston. Houston got all the picks. They got a haul for him, 
and Cleveland gets their quarterback, which they've been struggling for pretty much forever. I can't think of the last time. I think Cleveland has gone through, I don't know how many quarterbacks Cleveland must have gone through since 2015. Or it's been it's been horrible. It's been constant QB after QB after QB. They thought Baker Mayfield was the answer. It I never backed Baker Mayfield, but it just never um, turned out to be okay. Another thing I also like about the Deshaun Watson move is I see a lot of people criticizing like, well, this is not make him a win like a next year win go you know go win it all next year type of move. That's fine. Because people forget Deshaun Watson is only 24 years old. So this not only this so this is this deal is not just about this year. It's about the long term. Because Deshaun, you now you have a franchise QB for 13 plus years or at least, you know, 10 plus years. So it's not all about going in all all in this year. You you have the still the capability to draft and build up talent. Because you have a QB back there that's set in stone for the next couple years. Also, Deshaun Watson might be hit with a suspension. So it's going to be very hard to do it this year. But again, given his age, it's not like a deal where you where the Rams go out and got Matthew Stafford. It's like, you're pushing in all these first-round picks for a 32-year-old. You got to go get it now. It's like, he's only 24. He's still got so many years left of high-level football play. Because when he is on the field, he is a top-five talent. So... Cleveland, it's a good step in the right direction. Now, what do they need to do? I still would like them to go out and get another wide receiver. They got Amari Cooper, but we've seen in the track record in, uh, in with the Raiders and the Cowboys, Amari has some big drops and tends to disappear on the road in big games. So you're going to have to go out and get another wide receiver. You release Jarvis Landry. That's fine. Do you want to go get Julio Jones? He had a down year, but maybe you can get him on the cheap. and Or you can go in the draft and... And um and pick up a talent because the the draft this year for wide receivers it's pretty good. So this again you have you have the freeway of still building up young talent because of how young Deshaun Watson is. But you're still gonna have to go out and get a wide receiver. Another thing you're going to have to do is you're going to need to give that secondary help. Okay, that secondary in that defense was very disappointing. Uh, this uh last season, everyone thought it was the best overall round defense. They had a couple injuries. But the secondary needs to be better because the pass rush is so good. But the pass rush, when it when they couldn't get to the quarterback, the secondary was constantly being burned. You know, they gave up forty five to the Chargers, forty plus to New England. You know, there was a um, there was a lot of games where they just couldn't stop the opponent. So they need to improve on that side of the ball. But once I think that they can get the secondary sorted out and they can get another one or two wide receiver targets, then it's a real chance that the Browns can make some noise. But overall for Cleveland, they got their guy, Baker Mayfield. The situation was going downhill fast. They needed to get him out. They do. We're going to see where Mayfield goes now. People have thrown out Indianapolis as an option or other teams. But good job, Cleveland. You got your guy. Uh, Houston, listen, Houston's in rebuilding mode. They would have loved to keep Deshaun Watson, but they kind of screwed themselves over. Bill O'Brien screwed any chances of, of them competing when he traded DeAndre Hopkins. Like, that's just plain and simple. Houston needed to get him up out of there. You know, they're going into a rebuild. They might have actually found some, I don't know, I guess David Mill, Davis Mills is a starting quarterback going forward. They actually had a couple decent performances in the regular season uh, this year. It was actually relatively surprising how well they did considering their roster was absolute junk. But, um, 
yeah, you know, you get your you get your three first round picks to build for the future, and um, yeah, that's it. So win win for both sides. Both sides are happy, and both sides seem to benefit. Okay, so that's the NFL talk. I don't want to talk about Tom Brady unretiring because even when he retired, I said I don't think he's fully completely done because of the way he went out. He was an MVP caliber. I really think he should have won the MVP over Aaron Rodgers. That's just my personal opinion. We're gonna go to MLB. Free agency now. And also, um, the only reason I was recording this was because North Carolina was absolutely slapping Baylor, and all of a sudden the game has gotten close with 4.30 to play. So you might get my last-minute reaction to that, uh, <laughs> pending on that. But we're going to start MLB free agency. Okay. So this is not going to be, you know, I don't want to talk about everything that's happened in free agency because there's been so many big money moves, so many big free agents Everywhere, this way, this way, left, right, center, Chris Bryant the other day, which is a surprise. I mainly want to focus on my team, which is the Yankees. I haven't talked much about them this offseason, but I'm going to talk about them now, okay? And this is not about the whole vaccination thing, because a lot of the guys are not vaccinated and the mandates and stuff. I'm not even going to get into that, because that's a whole new can of worms that I'm not just going to open, okay? We're going to talk about the disappointment this free agency has been for the Yankees, okay? And I'm going to tell you why, okay? So, the Yankees have made one, two trades. Luke Voigt, getting rid of Luke Voigt, and trading Gio Urshela and Gary Sanchez for um, Ben Revolt, Josh Donaldson, and Isaiah uh, Kiner, uh, uh, Falefa. Falefa, okay? All right? I don't mind, okay? I don't mind getting Josh Donaldson. I don't mind getting uh, Falefa because he hits like 270, but my main issue is that is your big move of free agency to speak of in a class. And also, Ben Revolt's going to hit the IL, so he's already injured. Okay, But that is your one major move that you have to show in a free agency that has maybe been the most loaded we have ever seen. Okay, The New York Yankees' big move was Isaiah Kinner-Falefa. Josh Donaldson and Ben Revolt and getting a 19-year-old pitching prospect for Luke Voigt, which I'm going to talk about later, in a free agency class, that is the top, the creme, so far, now they're in the, now they're saying they're in the mix for Trevor Story, but so far, that is their best move when these guys have been available, okay? These are just some of the guys, these are not even all of the guys, okay? Eduardo Rodriguez, Alex Cobb, Javier Baez, Clayton Kershaw, Jan Gomez, Corey Seager, Carlos Correa, Max Scherzer, Chris Bryant, Carlos Rodon, Zach Greinke, Freddie Freeman, Matt Olson, Trevor Story, who's still out there, Nelson Cruz, Robbie Ray, uh, Simeon, Marcus Stroman, Kevin Gosman, Starling Marte. And Chris, I'll even put in Frankie Montas, uh, Maya, and Chris Bassett of Oakland. All those guys... You have not managed to get one of them, okay? You let Zach Granke go back. You let uh, you let all those pitchers, Carlos Rodon, you know, Trevor, um, Robbie Ray, Simeon, Stroman, Gosman, Cobb, you let them slip through your hands, okay? The New York Yankees, as constructed right now, are constructed to finish fourth in their division, okay? They are going to finish under the Rays, under the Red Sox, and under the Blue Jays. They are going to finish fourth as constructed right now. And I'm going to tell you why, okay? 
Where is, you know, people look at the lineup. Oh, wow, Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge, Joey Gallo, Anthony Rizzo, okay? Where's the pitching? Who is going to pitch, okay? Do I need to get off, off my couch, go and throw and somehow get my velo, or do I need to take a couple steroid injections, get my arm strength up, and go out there and throw, okay? Is that what I need to do? Because I'll do it if, if you need me to, okay? The, there is no pitcher. There is, okay, the Yankees rotation in starting pitching as of now is seated. Garrett Cole, who's unvaccinated, number one. Luis Severino, number two. Jordan Montgomery, Jamison Tyone, and Nasty Nestor Cortez at five. Okay? I don't know about you guys, if you're Yankee fans, I have no faith in Luis Severino staying healthy and pitching number two, coming off Tommy John surgery. Okay? I don't have any faith in Domingo Herman. He's already on the 60-day IL. I got no faith in him either. Okay? Luis Severino is wildly inconsistent. Which one are we going to get? Are we going to get the all-star that was like 14-2 and two in the first half of the season? Or are we going to get the second one that was like 6-6 six and six in the second half of the season? Okay? Which one are we going to get? <clears throat> if you can tell me, the Yankees do not have a number two pitcher. I do not consider Luis Severino as a, as a number two pitcher, given his injury history and how inconsistent he is. Okay? There is no number two. And in a free agency class where you had the chance to add so much depth to your pitching rotation, okay? You could have gotten, like I said, I would have taken Kevin Gossman at number two, Carlos Rodon, even though he's had injury problems, Robbie Ray, okay, Marcus Stroman would have been a good one as well, uh, even Kershaw or Granke, even though they're a little washed up or they're not as good as they used to be. I still would have taken one of them at least at number two, but you have somehow managed to get nobody, okay? <clears throat> Speaking of nobody, what the hell was that trade for Luke Voigt? Unless Cashman is using, okay, this, this guy they got is a good prospect, he's 19 years old, but unless Brian Cashman, okay, was you is going to use this kid in a deal, in another deal, packaging someone like a Glaber Torres in. I have still no idea what we're going to do with him and trying to pull strings to get someone. What the hell was the point of this deal? All right. When I first found out Luke Voigt was traded to the Padres, I was like, okay, this is not bad. They've got some good pitchers. We can get Chris Paddock, uh, Blake Snell, maybe a couple... Um, Blake Snell, you know, maybe we could package in a few guys. Uh, that's great. And then I see a 19-year-old pitching prospect from the minor leagues who we might not see for two seasons. What? And the excuse is building for the future? I thought you are trying to go all in and win the World Series this year. Is that, not the, is, not, is that not the case? Is that not why you signed Garrett Cole to a nine-year, $328 million deal? Why you signed DJ LeMahieu to a six-year, 90-plus million dollar deal? Why you went out and traded for Giancarlo Stanton, who has a 10-plus year, $300 million contract? But it's all about building for the future? Come on, okay? If that is the case, I would have much rather kept Luke Voigt at the DH position because it gives us more depth, okay? Rizzo can hit in the lineup at first base, put Voigt at the DH, and then you can, on an off day, alternate them. Oh my God, North Carolina is absolutely collapsing right now. But beyond the point, like, if you, if you would have much, like I said, you would have much rather kept Luke Voigt in this situation if that's what you were going to get in the trade. Now, unless Cashman is going to pull another trade, 
which involves uh, this kid and like Gleyber Torres and a package deal to get someone that's helpful, then I'll take my words back. But for as of now, I don't see that happening. Okay, the Yankees have been very quiet this free agency period. And I, I think, I, I don't know, I guess they're complacent with the roster. I mean, because here's the problem. You know, the, the complacency with the roster is, oh, we made the playoffs last year. Okay, yeah, but we, the Yankees could have been so much better given the amount of bullpen implosions there were, how many games the offense and streaks the offense went silent in, okay? This team still needs a lot of work, okay? And they're probably going to get into the postseason given the extra spot. But honestly, I see this team's ceiling right now as a wild card or bust, as a wild card team. That is this, actually, that is probably the ceiling for this team. I really think the floor is you could be missing the postseason here. Now, that probably won't happen, actually, but I'm a very pessimistic Yankee fan. But that's probably not going to happen with the extra game or the extra playoff team. But I, but I really think it's just a wild card. I don't see this team going past the wild card. Maybe, maybe the wild card because it's a two out of three series. But again, <clears throat> I would have actually liked a one-game series better because I trust Garrett Cole. I don't want to have Severino pitching in a, or Montgomery pitching in a deciding game three. So maybe then they alter the rotation and make Cole do that, or I don't know. But it's just so frustrating to see. Listen, I understand the move to get Josh. I mean, all right, even getting Josh Donaldson actually is a little is a little head scratching. Okay, because okay, fine, you traded Gio Urshela, but if you look at it and you look at offensive consistency, can you really say Josh Donaldson is more consistent of an offensive player than Gio Urshela? Because Josh Donaldson is probably going to hit, okay, what? Have a little less average, have a little worse batting average and on-base percentage, but he's going to have at least six or seven more home runs, but the same amount of RBIs. So if you look at it that way, it's not even that much of an improvement. Okay, yeah, I understand it makes your lineup more scary, but and it's all the Yankees are all box office and fun because they like to crash those home runs out the park. But as far as offensive efficiency, this doesn't really improve the team. It really doesn't. Because like I said, Josh Donaldson is, yes, going to hit six or seven more RBIs, but he's probably going to have a lower batting average than Gio Urshela and come out around the same RBIs, like 60, 60 plus or something. Okay, Josh Donaldson has not been the same player since he left Toronto when he won that MVP. Okay? Has... Can someone tell me that Josh Donaldson has been a better player or at that same level than when he was in Toronto and he won that MVP? And oh my God, North Carolina has completely imploded here. Baylor is only down four with 148 to go. So you might have to, might have to switch and do that uh, and look at that. But going back to the point for now, I don't... And then Isaiah Kinner-Falefa, yeah, he hits 270. That's fine, but so I guess we're not... And if we go after Trevor Story now... What's the deal? Do you want to switch him to the an alternate backup player, maybe, or the DH? Do you want because then Story would take over short? You would think DJ would go to second. Also, what happens? To, uh, then you probably want trade Glaber and Josh Donaldson goes to goes to third. So does Kinder Falefa become the designated hitter because he's not a very good offensive production? I mean, he has got a good batting average. But um, the cleanup is more more than the batting average. But um, so would he become sort of your everyday switch player? Maybe that's a good option because um, 
because you can never have uh, you can never have too little depth. You can always have more depth. Oh my God, that was a nasty end one for North Carolina. But um, so maybe that's the plan. But I don't know. Uh, this is um, this is very head scratching. This is very head scratching. Also, I didn't even bring up who's gonna catch. Okay, I guess Kyle Higashioka is our um, is our everyday catcher because uh, you don't have Gary Sanchez anymore. Ben Revolt has now hit the IL, so I can't even trust him to stay healthy. And also, he hasn't done much in his catching career. So I guess Kyle Higashioka is our catcher. I I don't I don't understand. There's not many more catchers on the market because, like I said, you missed out on guys like Jan Gomez. So what's the what's the deal? It's it's all extremely clunky. There's so many questions right now. Um, they're going to review this foul call. I actually might just stay on the episode and and see what's going on. Are they reviewing the foul call? I'm not watching with volume. What I don't know what they're doing. But um, anyway, last couple points. So again, I can't see the Yankees. I'm not confident the Yankees because there's just too many question marks for me. But I don't know. Also, don't even get me started on the vaccination because most of the guys are not even vaccinated. So that means we well, they won't have them for home games, which is uh which is a real problem. But um yeah, I don't I don't get it. I really I really don't understand that. I just it, it blows my mind because because now all these Yankee fans are going to come out and say, oh, the chase for 28 is on. No. There is no way that the Yankees are going to compete with the Rays, the the Red... Uh, maybe they'll compete with the Red Sox, but there's nowhere they're going to compete with the... with the. I honestly don't... I honestly think the Mets are going to have a better season. Because now the Mets, maybe there's a little more at stake because some of the guys are unvaxxed. But they have gone out and they have made the moves, Okay. They got Max Scherzer. They got Chris Bissett. They got Starling Marte. They got guys that would improve the roster. Okay, the Yankees just like to get these big power hitters. It's like offense is not is home runs and home runs is not the problem for the Yankees. It's always been timely hitting. Okay, and you know guys that are going to get you um that are going to get you base hits and stuff. I just I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. All right. So I guess we're just going to stay on this episode. I'm going to tell you what's going on in the in the Baylor game. Uh, North Carolina is currently up 79-73. Uh, Baylor's got the ball, but um, there's a ball out of bounds, but it's going to stay with Baylor. We got 116, 116 to go here. Let's see. <laughs> oh, wait, no. Did that come off? That might have come off Baylor. That might have come off his hand. So that, if that's the case, that'd be North Carolina ball, and that could be that could be the dagger. Let's see. Oh, that's really close. But it uh, it looks like it came off the the Bears, and I think they knew it. So that's probably going to get overturned. Um, let's see. I'm not watching with volume, so I'm assuming they overturned it. Uh, yep, they overturned it. So now it's North Carolina ball. Oh wow. Okay, so North Carolina's up 79-73. One sixteen to go here. Um, so. I, the shot clock's obviously going to reset now because North Carolina is going to get the basketball. Oh, they put they put one second back on the clock. Okay, one seventeen. So again, you you don't have to foul here; you just play straight up defense. But if North Carolina gets a basket here, that might be the ball game. Uh, again, I don't know how Baylor has somehow got back into this game, but here we go. All right, inbounds. They got to get it in. Oh my God, was that a steal? 
Oh, he missed the layup, though. Okay, they still got it, though. What? Right, we've got a lot of bodies falling here. Is, is that a foul? <laughs> oh, my. What is happening? Okay, it looks like it's a foul on North Carolina. So, Baylor's going to have a couple free throws here. Um, I think it's going to be one-on-one -one situation. Yeah, he smoked the layup. But he got it back. Uh, but then it was then it was blocked, but I think they called a foul before. Yeah, he was he was grabbed. Or okay, so alright, two shots now for for Baylor. Okay, got the first one. So 79-74 now. Um 111 to go. Okay, second free throw is coming now. 74% free throw shooter. Oh, wow. 27.44. Oh, left it short. Oh, boy. Oh, they got to press. Yep, they're pressing. Oh, but no, North Carolina broke it. Yeah, don't have to shoot. Hold it. Yep. All right, one minute to go. All right, they're going to keep holding it. 15 on the clock. So Baylor can just play straight defense here, try and get a quick basket, and then play the foul game. Um, Eight to shoot. Can they get him in the... No, they couldn't get him in the backcourt. Four, three, two. All right, here's a shot. This is the dagger. Nope, it's off. Oh, my God. Did they get the board? Oh, my God. They couldn't secure the rebound. And now they foul him. God damn. How do you... You got to get the board there. That's when you need to box out. Oh, my... So, yeah. Did he get... Yeah, he got grabbed as well. So... Oh my God! How can you? Oh, that's gotta. That's gotta drive Scott Drew crazy. How you could not get the board there? All right, just got the wrong side of him. Two shots. Up. Oh, first one's off. All right, thirty-eight seconds left. So you still trying to think. So let's say North Carolina hits the free throw here. You might be able to. I think you probably have to go for the three. Okay, he's three of six at the line, so he can easily miss another one. Okay. Second free throw is good. Okay, so 80-74 now, 38 seconds left. Baylor, I mean, I'm assuming they go for a three here, but you can't take too much time. Thought about the step back. All right, yep, there's the three. Oh, he banked it in. <laughs> I guess the bank is open. All right, 80-77. Uh, don't tell me North Carolina is going to take a timeout here. Then I got to stay on here a little longer. Um, yeah, I think, oh, no, no, Baylor took a timeout. No, don't go to commercial break. All right, they're going to go to commercial break, but 80-77 is a score. 28.5 seconds left. Wow. So I guess the, so. the strategy here probably for Baylor is uh, first, obviously, try and prevent the inbounds pass, but North Carolina has a timeout, so they can burn one there. So I guess the strategy would be, would be um, try and press them. You don't have to foul right away. You can try and you can try and trap him, press him, get him in the corner. Maybe you get a turnover. If not, then you foul and you play the foul game from there. Because then, if North Carolina can make two free throws, that'd be eighty-two seventy-seven. Then you can come back and you don't even need a quick three. You can get a quick two. You don't even need three. You can get a quick, a quick hitter. So, so yeah. All right, we're back. Uh, so yeah, I don't know how Baylor got back into this game. I was kind of sort of looking, but it looked like from here it's just a lot of turnovers from North Carolina. Yeah, three. They just showed a real three or four turnovers. So, okay. Um, all right, UNC's got the ball. Baylor has the possession arrow. So if it comes to a tie-up, then then it goes to them. So, 
They both have one timeout. So again, uh, North Carolina, if they can't get the ball in bounce here, they can use that timeout. Oh, Baylor. I mean, it said they have a timeout, but I can't tell. My, my screen is very blurry. Yeah, they both have a timeout left. So 28.7, shot clock is turned off. 80-77 is your score right now. Actually, I'm going to put the volume on. So you might hear the volume a little bit. All right, let's see. Can they get the ball in? They do. You got to. Uh, here comes the press. Can they turn it over? Nope. There's the foul. Okay. So, two shots now coming. But I think that's the same guy who uh, who split. That's the same guy who split the last couple. So, he can easily. I mean, there's a real capability for two misses. But then Baylor has to box out. You can't give up the board. Uh, Tar Heels, 77.4 percent free throw percentage, second best in school history, 16th in the NCAA. So. They don't tend to miss many free throws, but <clears throat> this case is a whole different, whole different ball game. All right, first shot. Nope, it's off. So, so even if he makes this, Baylor can come down and they can easily. They don't even need to go for a three. They can just get a quick two hitter, and then they're still in this. Then it'd be 81, 70, uh, 79. Right now it's 80, 77. Second free throw. Oh, it's taking his time. It's. Oh my God, he bricked it. All right, Baylor's got the board. They secured it. They're going down quickly. Okay. All right, now you don't have to rush here. You can set up an offensive set, but it looks like they're going to hold for the last shot. Nope, taking in. Is that a foul? And one. Oh, my God. Wow. Okay, so Baylor can tie the game. Holy crap. That was an unbelievable take. Okay, <laughs> he's going to make the free throw now. Jesus, what has happened to North Carolina? Wow, so he missed both free throws. Baylor got it up the court quickly, and it's just a straight drive to the basket, and yeah, that's clearly a foul. You Exactly, yeah, you don't need a three in that situation, so good on them for not taking not taking the three, but oh my god, if we're going to have to go into overtime, I have to... All right, where am I? Almost at 40 minutes on the episode, so hopefully someone can finish this off in regulation. All right, he's got it, so the tie game. North Carolina has a timeout. I don't think they're going to use it because you still have plenty of time to get it up the court here. Or Baylor uses There you go. Yeah, Baylor uses the timeout. So North Carolina can hold for the last shot here. Uh, or we can go to or we can go to overtime. Or maybe North Carolina plays the gets a two and they can play the quick foul game if they really wanted to. But um Wow, North Carolina led this game by 25. And now it is tied. Holy moly. What is happening? 80 apiece with 15.8 seconds to play. Uh Oh my, oh my God. Jesus. Well, I mean, that's, I guess just, that's the national champions. They don't, they don't give up. So the winner, obviously winner of this advanced to the sweet 16. I think who would the winner play here? Uh, I th would it, I think it would be maybe St. Mary's or yeah, it'd be either St. Mary's or UCLA. The winner would play here. That game is going to be a good one tomorrow. UCLA better watch or tonight. UCLA better watch out for that one. Cause, uh, cause the St. Mary's, but, um, I did say that this game, that North, that Baylor had to be really careful in this game. Cause North Carolina absolutely dispatched, dispatched Marquette. So this is the largest comeback. This would be the largest comeback win in NCAA, or this would tie it. Cause BYU came back from 25 against Iona. Uh, so that would be the, so that this would be tied for the largest comeback in NCAA tournament history. Oh, boy. Uh, Duke fans would be loving this if North Carolina would implode here again. Okay, so North Carolina's got the ball into their own basket. 15.8 to go. 
Okay, shot clock is off, obviously. Or no, 16.7. They put uh, about one second back on the clock. 16.7. All right, here it comes. Here comes the inbounds play. Uh, Baylor does not have a timeout. So if North Carolina were to get a shot off with like two seconds left, Baylor would have to go the length of the floor. All right, here we go. They got it in. Oh, no turnover. So they can, they can, they don't have to hurry up. Take your time. 11 seconds, 10 seconds, crosses half court. And then you use a timeout. Smart. So now they can set up a play. So smart there. Get it across half court. No need to rush. Call a timeout. Now you get the ball under the, uh, or at least on that side. So you can go for a game-winning shot now, and you can set up a play. Oh, God, I might have to stay on here for overtime. Uh, I don't think I'm going to do that, but uh, wow. This has been an unbelievable game. Uh, I'm, I'm, thank, God I, thank God I stuck around and kept watching it because I thought this, this game was over. But um, uh, wow. All right, 11, point, 11 seconds to go now. Baylor can easily hold, or no, sorry, North Carolina obviously are probably going to hold for the last shot. And then it's not a quick catch and fire. You still have a lot of time. to. So they're probably going to set up maybe a backdoor screen maybe or something. Something to get um, to get there. I, I don't know. <laughs> this is they're just kind of coming off my, my head randomly. We're at 41 minutes into the episode, and we genuinely might be going to overtime. So I might have to stay on here. For the uh, for the overtime period, but um, God damn! Oh, ten point six left. Oh no, eleven point four. They keep they keep changing the clock. Okay. Oh my God! So much for the the Yankees rants. Um. All right. So they're prob. I'm assuming they're not gonna try the three here. They don't have to. Obviously, they can. They could. Uh. They could. Um. They can go for some. Try and get something in a layup at the basket. Uh, Baylor on a 38-13 run since the ejection. Um, wow. Uh, Baylor's 15 of 40 in this half. North Carolina 11 of 22. Uh, free throws, eight, pretty evenly split. 12, 14 of 17 versus 12 of 18. So, all right, turnovers this half, 13 to 3. There you go. That's another difference. All right, 11.4. North Carolina's got the ball. They're going to throw it in the backcourt, so easily get it in. Now take it up seven seconds. Let's see. Do they call the pick and roll here? Yes, they do. Three seconds. Two. He doesn't use it. He's got to take it. Step back. No way. That's in. Oh, short. Rebound. Wait. No, he didn't get it off in time. We're going to overtime. Oh, my God. Okay, so I guess I'm going to not record the bit in between, but I'll be back for overtime. Wow. I'm back. I'm back. Overtime. Uh, 42 minutes into the episode. Uh, <laughs> if you stayed this long, you might as well just see my reaction. But here we go. Overtime. We're... Tied at eight. I'm losing my voice from talking so much. But all right, eighty apiece. North um, Baylor finished the ha- uh, finished on a thirty-eight thirteen run. Was that shot blocked? No, that was just yeah. That's a that's a tough shot falling away three pointer from the top of the key um, for the win. I thought I thought they were going to use the pick and roll. It looked like they might have, but uh, he decided not to use it. I thought they were maybe trying push it up a little quicker, get something close to the basket. But um, <clears throat> but no, that was a pretty good defensive set by Baylor. Good switching there. All right, start of overtime. Here we go. Tip is won by Baylor. Oh, no, never mind. Won by North Carolina. Uh, there we go. couple passing around. Okay, 450 to play. Let's see. Again, let's see if they use the pick and roll here. No, tried tried it. Didn't, didn't work. This is good defense right now by Baylor. 10 on the play clock or shot clock. Uh, Corner three. Nope. There it is. There's this corner three. Oh, he got it. Rattled it in. All right, 83-80 North Carolina. 
428 to play here in overtime. I don't know. How, I mean, the turnovers obviously in the ejection were huge. All right, let's see what Baylor's got now. Swinging around, take it in the paint. Oh uh, no, it was off. Didn't uh, didn't hit rim. Just hit hit the uh, hit the backboard. Went over. All right, North Carolina's got it again. 410 to play. Uh, let's see it. Again, tried that. Um, all right, take it on the left. Picked up his dribble. All right, four minutes, 13 on the play clock. So they still got plenty of time. Let's see what play they run here. Try and get a backdoor cut, maybe. All right, oh, run it. That's a tough shot. Oh, my God, in and out. Nice board, though, and he's fouled. Bro, you got to grab the board if you're Baylor. Uh, I, I don't know what. But again, all right, free throws. This is the same guy who missed two um <clears throat> two before. So 347 to play. But yeah, you have to somehow, I don't know, grab you have to grab that board. Yeah, just good positioning there. Got it in between two guys and <clears throat> got the foul call. Obviously they're complaining, but I mean that was clearly a foul. I got hacked in the head. Or the the it looks like the headband at least. Alright. Why is it eighty-three? Shouldn't it be 82? Or did he already make the free throw? Am I just am I bugging? Oh no, they made a three. Yeah, what am I what am I talking about? Alright, uh couple guys in foul trouble for both teams. First free throw. Oh, he missed it again. Again off the back iron. Jeez. Oh my god. Alright, second free throw. <coughs> Okay, let's see. All right, nice. All right, two-possession game now, 84-80, 3.47 to go. Again, all right, I mean, again, I feel like a lot of times this is now where, like, teams will try, like, some desperation three here. But you can just go with the – you can just run your offense, try and get a quick two. Time is not an issue right now, 3.36. But then you need a basket here. Oh, nice take. Oh, that's tough. Good defense. Board fought for, and we got a foul. I, I – uh, too many foul calls for me. Let the oh god, someone's injured. Oh god. Alright, no, he's good. He's good. He's good. Alright. 331 to play in overtime. Oh, this is a this is a good dribble drive here, but that's a good contest. I don't know if he got a piece of it uh on the block as he was going up for the layup, but that was a tough shot. Let's see, did he get fouled here? Uh, I don't know. Alright, two free throws. Alright, first one calm and easy. All right, 3.31 to go. Uh, 84-81, North Carolina's on top. 69% from for the year. All right, you got both. Wow, we ripped both of them. <clears throat> All right, 84-82 now. Uh, 3.31, both teams still have a timeout. Uh, North got to get the ball in here. And they do. Here comes the full-court pressure from Baylor. They got to break it. The Tar Heels, and they just do. Long. Oh, nice take. Oh, uh, we got a foul call. Oh, charging offensive. Uh, I Again, I have no idea. I have to see a replay to see if that was the correct call. Uh, did he get his feet set? He was definitely outside the restricted area. So, let's see. Uh, again, I'm so glad I'm not a referee. I'm so glad I'm not a referee. I mean, he was definitely outside the restricted area. I guess he got, just got the feet set. Uh, he had four fouls, though, so that was really risky. 84, 82, three minutes to play. Okay. Oh, nice move. Oh, tough left hand. 
Board. Okay, Baylor's got the board. Going up with it. Oh, my God. All right, he got it. I don't know how he got that. Literally three guys jumped with him. But somehow, somehow got it. Got it to go. All right, 84-84. Nice poke from... Oh, that's a foul. Eesh, gotta stop fouling. Stop fouling. Oh, my. Is that his fifth or is he done? Is he done? Uh, I have no clue if that's his fifth foul. Again, I haven't been... I've been sort of keeping an eye on this game, but... um, Man, offensive boards are... They're a killer. They're a killer, especially for the... For the team that, um, obviously for the team that gets the stop, because like if you can't get the board, then it just like demoralizes you. Imagine if you get two offensive boards in a possession, then you got to play three full possessions of defense. Yep. All right, Matthew Mayer's fouled out. He's the one that took the charge and made the two free throws. So he's char he's fouled out now because of that. I I, I want to see the replay. Did he uh, on the reach in? Uh, but. Oh, they're checking if that first basket for North Carolina was a three. Was his foot on the line? Oh, my. Wait. It might have just touched the line, but... I don't know. I need to see another replay of that. Oh, you can't overturn that, though. Oh, no, no. That's a three. That's a three. No, that's a three. Yeah. Yeah. His, his, foot, was, his foot was behind the line. Okay. Okay. So, it's a three still. Again, guys, I'm watching this without any volume. So I have no idea because I don't know what the commentators are saying. So I have no idea what the heck is uh what the heck is going on. Also, my phone is extremely blurry right now. So, all right, two free throws. Okay, first we got the shooter's touch off the front iron, then bounced in. All right, 85, 84, 249 to play. He's six of twelve from the free throw line. Uh oh, we got both of them. Huge. All right, 249 to go. 86-84, North Carolina's on top. Remember, Baylor's the one seed here in the defending national champions. <clears throat> All right, let's see. Yeah, Baylor's got a couple guys in foul trouble. Nice take off glass. Oh, unlucky. Unlucky, just didn't roll in. That's a good That's a good possession, though, but, I mean, that's a tough That's a tough shot. We almost got it to go. Ugh. That must suck. That. All right. <laughs> 13 to shoot for North Carolina. Oh, my. Nice take again. Pass out of bounds. All right, that'll stay with North Carolina. See, this is what happens when you take it to the hole. You get foul calls instead of just trying to take <clears throat> tough step back threes. Uh, again, I didn't watch much of the first half, but I felt like when North Carolina got on that run, Baylor was trying to do too much on offense. But um, but they got the turnovers, and eventually the shots just started falling. All right, seven to shoot here. Nice spin move. Uh, a lot of contact. Is that a foul? Yep, so the same guy is going to go back to the free throw line. Oh, my God. Baycott is being really aggressive, so. Uh, all right. Two free throws now. He's, I think, what, seven of, no, he's eight of 14 or something, and he missed the first one. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, God. Second free throw. Oh, it's off. Oh, my God. My phone is about to die. So I can't react to this anymore, but there's two minutes left. Thank you guys so much for watching, and I'll see you again next week.